Welcome to the Biltmore Church Podcast. This is episode two. Our church exists to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus who reach up, reach in, and reach out. And this podcast is a new tool that's hopefully going to help you do just that. My name is Christian Cooper. I'm on staff here at Biltmore Church, and I'm here today with Jason Gaston, our multi-site pastor and straight out of Clyde, North Carolina. We've got Jenny Taylor, our Central Kids Director, and here's where we're going today. For those of you listening and watching, we're going to be talking about parenting and emotional health. How do you start conversations with your kids about emotional health? Uh, As you know, we're in this six-week series called Can We Talk About It, where we're talking about how does the gospel intersect with emotional health. And so hopefully if you're listening today and you are a parent, you're going to come away with a lot of new ideas and new tools you can use to start these conversations with your kids. So let's go ahead and get started. Okay, you guys are both very familiar with family ministry. You're both parents who I have to assume you're perfect parents. Absolutely. And uh, so before we get into it today, let me just ask this opening question. Why is this topic even important in the first place? Yeah, um, you know, I think as you think about emotional health, as we talk about emotional health, I think the reality is no matter how much we to be honest, are kind of tired of talking about the last couple of years. The reality is that the last couple of years have really taken a toll on our kids, um, no matter their age. It doesn't matter if they were 17 years old or if they're six years old. There has been some form, in in some way, shape, or form, there's been some sense of loss, right? So over over the last several years, our, our kids have experienced loss in some way, shape, or form. And um, I, I think as a parent, helping to diagnose how those emotions are responding to loss and even how they're even just beginning to compartmentalize things, how they're starting to put them in different pockets and different buckets along the way um, is huge. And so I think this conversation uh, from a parenting perspective, uh, I'm, a, I'm a dad of three kids. I've got, a, I've got a 14-year-old son, I've got an 11-year-old daughter, and I have a nine-year-old son. And so those three are in three completely different mm-hmm. worlds. And to, um, to not talk about emotions in the gospel and how those things go hand in hand together, I think is a miss. Yeah. So I want to dig into something you mentioned there, which is those last few years have really, sounds like they've ramped up the importance of this conversation. What, there's some obvious answers to that, but why do you think that is? Well, um, you know, when, when I say loss, by the way, what I mean by that, you know, there's, I'm sure you can define this any way that, that you want, but I think specifically when you talk about it in regards to the last couple of years, when I say loss, what I mean is it's something that was no longer is, okay? So, you know, when I think about my three kids, they all are, were at the age to where they had experienced one thing, but then the global pandemic made them or forced them to think differently and experience differently those things. And so what they once had, what, the, what was their normal, now became something utterly different. There was a sense of loss that, that came out of that. Does, that. does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's safe to say that the past two years have been extremely hard for kids emotionally, I mean, for all of us, but trying to navigate feelings of loneliness or isolation fear, worry, just whatever it is across the spectrum. Um, You know, earlier this year, um, I was serving with the middle schoolers at Wake Weekend. Um, Just with the middle school girls, we were talking about what the last couple of years have been like for them. 
And uh, one of the young ladies in the group mentioned, hey, when we were able to go back to school in person, it was like starting over. Mm. Um, the friends that we, we knew two years ago were different people. So trying to navigate, hey, these are people I know, I'm not alone, but I feel lonely. I feel isolated after just a tough, tough years. You know, how, how do you as a parent help your child navigate that? Yeah, Jenny, I think that's, that's right on. You know, when you, when you go back to what our kids have experienced, um, you know, I think you can kind of put them in three different buckets when you, you think about just how their world has changed. Um, you know, I, I, would, I would say they fall into the three different E's. You have the education. From the education standpoint, I mean, my family had just relocated uh, from the you know, Raleigh, North Carolina area down right. here to Western North Carolina. And my um, now third grader, he had not experienced a full year in the classroom. Wow. Right? He had not experienced a full year in the classroom. Uh, COVID hit his kindergarten year, right? So he, he hadn't gone the whole way out. His whole first grade year, he was, he was online, and then second grade started. So his whole education experience, what he had perceived to be normality, had changed, mm. completely changed. Um, you know, my, my middle schooler, uh, you know, walking for the first day past lockers that they'll never use again. For some reason, they have deemed lockers um, as not usable anymore, <laughs> which for a lot of people, that's a, that's a win. I got in a lot of trouble growing up with mm -hmm. lockers. Can I tell a story real quick? Please because do. I actually got suspended from school in middle school, out of school suspension, OSS. That's bad, man. That's the more intense variety. That's the more intense. But my parents gave me some love for it because I went to Sam's Club and I bought several boxes of candy and I sold every candy bar for like $2 a pop out of my locker. So I had a little Ponzi scheme going. I was making like 150 bucks a week, man. I was yeah, running the, game. Lo the locker racket. I did, man. So those, that, that's no longer a thing. You're not getting suspended because you don't have a locker. That, that's, that's not happening anymore. But, you know, I mean, he, they don't even use their lockers anymore. I mean, it's something just so simple as that. It's just, it, it, it's crazy. Um, even the learning environments have changed that they that they step into. So for some of it, it's actually for the better, um, and some of it, you know, is, you know, they didn't sit next to kids. They were they were separated from them for a while. They were sitting in the classroom with mask on. I mean, I, for me personally, I remember showing up here to the office, and we were still in the height of the pandemic. And I remember when um, Devin took his mask off for the first time. I was like, who's that guy? Yep. I've never seen him. I've only seen his eyes up. You know, I, I did not, I literally didn't recognize him. So, you know, I mean, just everything changed. There's this sense of loss that our kids have gone through. And then experience, you know, so your second, your second bucket, not just education, but also experience. Kids have, you got kids that graduated high school that didn't have a graduation. Mm. You got kids that graduated high school. And, and listen, I, I realize there may be some listeners out there that even cringe at the, the thought of loss because some, some kid in a first world country didn't get to experience prom. I get that. But that was the norm. Mm -hmm. That was normal. And that normal is no longer. So there was a sense of loss. They didn't have their graduation. They didn't have prom. They, they didn't get to have a school dance. They, there's just a lot. They didn't have sports seasons. There's a lot of loss that came with that. Um, so, you know, I, I just think, I think the, the longer that we sit in the reality that lost both ed educationally, that experience that our kids had or didn't have coming on the other side of it has taken a toll in the third bucket, which is emotionally. It has taken a, an emotional toll in some way, shape, or form. 
which is why this important this uh, conversation is, is incredibly important because you know you, culture is the world that you swim in right i mean it's it's the water that we swim in every single day and um, the water that we've been swimming in for the last couple of years has an effect on us as humans as a whole i think too we can say kids are so resilient right they'll yeah. they'll bounce back you know but the reality is Yes, I mean, there is a sense of resiliency in kids, but they're experiencing emotions um, that they may have never experienced before, um, or they don't know how to respond to those emotions. And really, in that sense of resilience, we have to nurture that and be able to teach them how to respond to those emotions, because that's setting the trajectory for how they're going to respond emotionally in adulthood in relationships, social interactions, you know, all aspects going into the future. So obviously that's a weight that's weighing on a lot of parents and you guys just put voice to maybe what a lot of people are feeling but didn't know how to say. So before we kind of change gears and get into some of the things for parents, Jenny, I'd love to hear from you. Obviously our kids ministry here at Biltmore Church, you guys are are doing all kind of things to help kind of start these conversations with kids and with parents over the next six weeks. I'd love to kind of just give you a runway to to share some of those thoughts and ideas to start out with? Yeah, so we think it's really important for kids to be able to identify the emotions, you know, starting with emotional intelligence. What is it that I'm feeling? What does God's Word say uh, about what I'm feeling? And there's a really awesome book uh, by the Daily Grace Co. called Created with Emotions. And it talks through how God made emotions and everything God makes is good, right? So emotions are not a bad thing because God created them. So our emotions were created to worship and glorify God and love other people. Then it talks through sin and what happens to our emotions because of sin. And this is really important for us to all know and understand. So A specific page in the book says, because of sin, our emotions can be bad. Because of sin, our emotions can trick us. Because of sin, our emotions can make us think only about ourselves. Oh, that is so good. Yeah, so good, good, so good. I mean, it's a great reminder for me too, for, for all of us. And then... It walks through the good news of the gospel, right? So you've got this this bad news, right? So because of sin, our emotions can trick us. But there's good news, right? So it talks through the good news of the gospel and how God's word helps us learn more about Jesus and how should we live, how we should live, and even in our, you know, emotional responses to things. Um, and it walks through in the book several different emotions, um, and it explains what that emotion is, which is super important, you know, hey, this maybe is what you're you're having a your body is signaling you to something you're feeling. So right. maybe um, you feel a little bit nervous. You know, you're you're you have a little butterflies in your tummy. Okay, maybe you're you have worry, right? So um, it talks about you know what that emotion is, explains it, names it, um, and maybe tells you know why we feel that emotion, and sometimes um, you know helps walk through ways. How, how we can help respond to that emotion. And then, of course, it gives scripture that goes with it, which is super important. Yeah, one of the things about that resource, so I actually, Jenny was kind enough to uh, allow me to, to look through that resource, mainly, I think, just because I'm a dad of three kids. Right. Um, you know, what we, we really value at Biltmore Church, putting 
resources in the hands of our people that aren't just informative, but they're rich in the gospel. Right. They're Bible saturated. You know, I think when you read that resource, when I read that resource, one of the things that I absolutely loved about it was you were defining something that was created by God, distorted by sin, restored by Christ, and one day will become whole again yes. in eternity. That resource, as I sat and read through that, it, it walks you through all of it. Now, it's, it's a kid's resource, it, you know, and no resource that we put in anybody's hands is going to be exhaustive enough to where you're looking at and say, that was exactly everything <laughs> that I needed. <laughs> but it is, it is a beautiful resource uh, to put in the hands of our, our families yeah. during this series, for sure. Yeah. My, my favorite thing about the book um, is the very last page, and it talks about God's promise to his children. Um, talking through the hope of eternity and that one day, you know, our emotions will be fully restored and used in the way that God had created them to be, which is just this beautiful picture um, that, you know, we, we can cling on to, you know, that beautiful, beautiful hope. So it's, it's a great resource. Um, and then from there, you know, each Sunday we're walking through a different uh, emotion with kids and we're talking through um, like part one is an Old Testament story where um a character in the Old Testament feels that emotion or experiences that emotion. Mm -hmm. And then part two of the teaching is, hey, this is what Jesus taught about that emotion, wow. or this is how Jesus experienced that emotion. So, um, you know, our goal is to help kids identify the emotion, hear what Jesus says about it, um, and offer tools to help. Hey, when you feel that emotion, here's some things that you can do. Yeah, so... I mean, those are some big ideas right there, right? The understanding, not just emotional intelligence, but how does the gospel play into that? So before we get real practical today and give some, hopefully some tools in the hands of parents, either one of you, you know, what are the, some of the foundational big ideas that whether in kids ministry or just, you know, from, from your own time in ministry that we're really trying to get across to kids? Like what, what are the big ideas that we want parents to grab onto? I think there are several. I think number one, um, to know that emotion, your kids are going to be emotional and that's okay. Mm. Yeah. They're literally wired that way. It's, it's a God-given thing. You, you know, I remember um, somebody articulating this years ago to me, the difference between um, the way that like healthy fear and sinful fear, for instance, you know, fear in a healthy way, fear in a healthy way keeps you from danger and it drives you to safety. Fear in an unhealthy way causes you to never engage. It's, it's risk avoidance. It, um, it may cause you to isolate, right? So, you know, it, it's important to even, you know, to even know the difference between those two and, and where they go. Your kid is going to, my kids are going to experience fear. They're going to experience sadness. So I think one, just labeling it, being able to say, that's it. That's a huge, huge win for us. Um, and then too, maybe just understanding the temperament of your emotion might be a win as well. Um, when, when one of those emotions gets out of whack, when it, when it, when the needle moves too far one way, um, to know when something's not right, uh, or when it moves too far the other way to maybe be close enough in your, your kids' lives to know, and something has changed. Something that I, I, I once saw to be true is no longer true. Maybe they're experiencing some form of loss and their emotions are really beginning to, to make themselves known. I think that's a win for our parents that they can even just begin to identify emotions in their kids' lives 
and talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Can we talk about it? Can Perfect. we? Okay. It works out great. Uh, it, I mean, yeah. really, I mean, yeah. really, we need to have these conversations. And so, I mean, honestly, if a family would just sit around the table at the end of this series and talk about fear, talk about anxiety, that's a win. And if we can help point parents through resources like what our kids' ministry is doing and what our student ministry is giving out, if we can give them resources to help them win with kingdom, like growing kingdom-loving children, Jesus-loving children, through a simple resource of helping them understand their emotions, I mean, we are winning on all fronts. Jenny, one of the things that I think God has gifted you in is this ability to to give parents really practical things to, to grab onto. And so I kind of want to ask, following up on Jason's point there, if if some of the goal is to start these conversations, what are some things, some tools that you would hand a parent who wants to start the conversation about emotions with their kids? I mean, just like Jason said, the the main thing in starting the conversation about emotions with your kids is talking to your kids about their emotions. So I'm thinking through, even even with a, a two-year-old, right? They, I think through my two-year-old right now, right? Jonathan, when he is angry or frustrated or upset, he's going to throw himself on the floor. Right. That's that's his response to anger. I, mean, I do that mad. too. Yeah. I do that when I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. He could be hangry. You know, that could be a factor into why he's angry. But, you know, for parents, it's realizing, you know what? They're having a response to an emotion. So instead of, you know, when we work through that emotion and figure out that emotion, then how do we how do we instruct our kids how to respond? to that emotion. So I think being able to identify what's going on with your child and like with a preschooler, you know, that's going to, their environment, what's going on around them is going to signal, hey, maybe this is what's upsetting my kid. Um, And giving the opportunity then to work through what is the underlying issue. Because I often, oftentimes we think, when, when a kid is upset, they're just acting out or whatever the case may be. But most of the time, unless it's just deliberate disobedience, which we experience often as parents, right. um, you know, there is something else going on, whatever the case may be, whether developmentally they don't even understand what they're feeling yet. So helping them identify what they're feeling and giving them tools um, to help respond to that. Cope, coping skills are huge. So being able to help cope uh, one of one of my friends, Rachel Miller, she she was talking to us about the emotion series. She's a school counselor, and she came in, and I had never thought about this before as a parent. But we were we were talking through how to respond uh, to kids, help help them navigate their emotions, and she said, you know, it's really important in your home to have an area like a comfy space. You know, you can call it that or whatever, but that your kids can go to when they're working through their big feelings or their emotions, that's different from your discipline space. So let's say a a child steals a toy from your other kid because they're angry that they took it. You know, have them go to that comfy space to calm down to get to the root of the issue or else it's just going to happen again instead of sending them to where they go for time out because they're going to associate my emotion is bad. What I'm feeling is bad and I'm getting in trouble for it versus 
identifying the emotion, helping them understand why they responded in that way, and then turning it around and giving them tools to respond in the right way. Man, that's so practical. Dude, I love that. That was good. I, I think, you know, when you think about space in a home, um, I can't think of how many times I've been guilty of, you know, with my kids growing up, I'm like, I don't want to deal with you right now. I need you to just go sit in there. <laughs> that's the same place. I'm like, I need you to stop eating dessert before dinner. Go sit over there. That's mm-hmm. the same. I can't tell you how many times I've done that, you know, and I haven't differentiated those two and how even sometimes just the smallest things like some of the parenting technique, if you will, mm-hmm. um, my, my default is just get away from me, you know? Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're, getting, they're getting a little bit of my sinful emotion in that <laughs> moment too. <laughs> well, that's the thing. We can deflect our emotions to our kids that then they absorb. And so Samuel, um, my sweet, sweet four-year-old, he is awesome. And I realized a few days ago when I got angry about something, like some of my tendencies when I'm angry, he started to pick up on. And I was like, oh no. I need to know what these are. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I can give you a specific example. So the other day, um, he's not listening to me at all, you know, as four-year-olds do some of the time. And I kind of just grit my teeth and not so sternly, but slightly sternly said, get over here right now, you know? (laughs) And then I ask him to do something. He's like, I'm not doing that right now. And I'm like, okay, he is picking up on (laughs) what I'm doing when I'm angry or what I'm, when I'm frustrated. He he mocked you. He mocked me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So in those points, I'm like, I need to check myself and how I'm responding because, you know, studies have shown everything else that their environment plays a huge part into their emotional responses. So, you know, what you're doing as a parent, what their, what their caregiver is doing, what's happening at school, um, that is going to develop how they respond emotionally, whether good or bad. Hey, also just on that random big shout out to all of our school teachers. Yes. Um, because they're, they're dealing with 27, 30 of those little jokers running around in the classroom, <laughs> um, and they're dealing with a handful of emotions. And I can't tell you over the last you know year and a half or so, the people here even at our church, at Biltmore Church, that I know love Jesus, love their job, and love kids, and have just created an incredible environment yeah. for those kids to be in. And the care that they've given to my kids, um, they see them throughout the week, they see them at church, they see them in worship, it's awesome. And so I just yeah, want to absolutely. give a mad shout out to all of our teachers out yeah. there. Thank you guys so much for what you do. Because um, it's not just the kids' lives who's been changed the last couple of years. It's also our teachers. They've stepped into a brand new world of teaching and they are crushing it. Well said, man. Well yeah. said. And it's important for kids to have multiple trusted adults that they can talk, you know, through their emotions with. So school teachers, you know, coming to church, that's huge. The The leaders that are with them on Sundays. So, you know, same. Thank you. Thank you to all of you so much. One of the things I'd love to know is, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about younger kids as kids start to get older and they, they start knowing words and phrases and they're almost identifying things for themselves. I mean, that is a whole different realm oh boy. of parenting mm-hmm. yeah. as you well know. So yeah. uh, talk to me or, you know, talk to the parent listening who's in kind of in that phase. Yeah. So, uh, number one, it very well could just be puberty, right? <laughs> let's, 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 let's talk about that for a minute, right? Yeah. Um, you know, your kids are all developing. Our kids are all developing at different speeds. Um, 
a guy by the name of Tim Elmore, a couple of years ago, he wrote a book called Artificial Maturity. I want to encourage every parent out there to go, to go get that book. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of connect the dots here just, just a little bit. In that book, he, he talks about the access that teenagers or kids in general have to technology, right? So for us growing up, I don't know about you guys, but for me, if I wanted information, I had to go to a couple of different places. I had to go to my mom or my dad, my grandparents, or my neighbors, or I had to go to the Encyclopedia Britannica, right? Okay. And we had What's those that? on the shelf. Don't, don't, don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. So, you know, but now, now kids, um, they have access to so much so quickly. Yeah. Okay. And everybody knows that. Like, hey, I mean, I can't tell you how many things I've Googled this morning already. Um, our kids have the same access to that, right? I mean, they have access to information quick. And so rather than going to somebody and working through it, seeking peer relationship, or um, even more so on that, you know, talking to you, the, in, the people in your closest, you know, group, your, your moms, your dads, or whoever, instead of going there, they just go online. And they're finding information that's not always wrong, um, but it's not always right. Mm. And it, it gives them this sense that they have more maturity than they actually do. Right. Wow. So their knowledge in their head actually ha is is well beyond their life experience. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He said this, he said it about parents. He said, you know, um, a patient father does not expect a mature head on young shoulders. Wow. Right. That's a that's a great that's a great uh, that's a great word for me as a dad. I can't tell you how often I get frustrated with my kids when they don't get something. Well, it's because I project maturity on them that's not there. It's literally not there. They, they haven't grown into it yet, you know? And so when you even think about the access that kids have right now, there's, there's a great podcast, um, uh, Raising Boys and Girls. Jenny and I both listen to that podcast. It's really good. Some really good practical handles that they give uh, the listener along the way. Um, but they, they made a statement in there. They said, you know, 20 years ago in counseling, we used to have clients come in, kids come in, teenagers come in, and we had to work really, really hard to get them to even open up about the, what they were feeling. We had to show them, man, you have anxiety. Right? It took so long to get there. Yeah. And now, because kids have access, now this isn't always true. Okay, so what I'm, not, what I'm getting ready to say is not, it's just not a blanket statement of truth. But now kids can come into a counseling session and they have already labeled themselves, I have anxiety. And she says in the podcast, she says, I have to work really, really hard to put the brakes on kids wow. right now because they have, they have access to things. They have access to information and knowledge. It's so they're like, oh, that's me. I've got that. I'm like, sweetheart, listen, buddy, listen, you, you don't have anxiety. You're just, you're just scared. You're just nervous. And that's okay. You know, so, but the access that our kids have has even changed the way, the access to their information has created this artificial maturity in their life to where they now even think that they have something that they actually don't. Now, some of them do. Some of them actually do. And, right. you know, she says that in the, in the podcast. She says, hey, we, we have to work to get to a place to help them understand what's really going on. But, man, we're quick to label things. Our, our teenagers are quick to label themselves very, very, very quickly. Well, and because of that, too, in the same conversation I had um, with a group of girls at Wake Weekend, you know, saying, hey, we felt like we were starting over when we went back to school, um, they also said in the same conversation, we're experiencing things that our parents never had to go through. And 
we don't feel like we can talk to them about it because they don't understand. They don't know. So they're thinking they can't speak into it because they have never experienced it. You know, and then you get on to, you know, multiple different topics of things that have changed within our culture in the past few years that, yeah, you're right. We didn't experience this at their age. Um, But how do we open the door to make them feel like, although we haven't walked, you know, in those specific shoes, how do they feel comfortable coming to us and talking to us about it? How do we start the conversation? Yeah. That seems like the big goal of the whole conversation today. Yeah. How to start it. Yep. How do you start it? Uh, here's how I'd love to wrap up our discussion today. We've shared a lot of thoughts. Um, you guys have given some great things to grab onto. I also want to make sure that parents who are listening today aren't feeling this immense weight mm-hmm. of pressure on their shoulders. I joked earlier about you guys being perfect. Obviously, you yeah. both know that's not true, but maybe we can close by you guys both. I'm putting you on the spot here, but sharing a word of encouragement um, to our parents who they, they want to see this happen, but maybe they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves. Yeah, I think um, just knowing that we're going to get it wrong sometimes. We're definitely not always going to get it right. And I think as parents, if we get it wrong one time, we think, oh, my goodness, I've screwed up my kids. You know, I I didn't talk to them in the right way or I didn't respond in the right way. Um, but, gosh, what an opportunity uh, to share the gospel with your kids through your mistakes. Wow. Um, to be able to talk to them about forgiveness and how you were feeling about your emotions and how you responded in that situation and maybe how you could do it differently next time and give this example of them being able to extend forgiveness to you in a circumstance. Um, and then also you in turn extending forgiveness, you know, to them, um, because we're all going to mess up. Um, and you know, another thing is just ask, ask specific questions. I've learned whenever I ask generic questions, I'm going to get a generic answer. So I've been in the car many times with my 12 year old daughter And it's just, hey, how was your day? And fine. And then I leave it there. Um, And so I'm not opening the door for great conversation. But when I ask her specifically, what was one thing that was really awesome about your day at school today that you really loved, that you really enjoyed? She will open up and tell me about it. Mm -hmm. But then on the flip side of that, it's, hey, what's something that didn't go so great today? What's something that was bad or did something make you sad today? Um, and really asking those specific questions to open up conversation. And I think just remembering it takes practice. You know, I, we're not going to get there overnight, but just being intentional. You know, I think knowing that our kids need us to start the conversation and to be present, just like Jason was saying, there's power in presence. So even if you don't know what to say, just be there. You know, be there for your kids. That's good. Jenny, that, the question in the, in the Gaston household uh, we call it, uh, we have two questions we ask our kids. Uh, we did it We did it for years growing up, but it was, uh, hey, what's your booyah moment today? Like you look back on the day and you're like, booyah, that was awesome. This is kind of lame, isn't it? This no, is, I'm, I'm going to start doing that. I'm a lame parent. It's okay. <laughs> like the second one was, what's your come on, man? What's your come on, man? Like what, what's the thing that happened today that you're like, could have done without that? Or that was, that was bad. And you get some of the best stuff out of them. Because, you know, you find out stuff that happened at recess because, you know, somebody did something at, at recess. You're like, that was awesome. Does your teacher know about that? You know, <laughs> um, so that, that's, 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 you're right. That's exactly right. You know, learning to just ask good questions to your kids um, helps open up conversations. And um, I think it's really important. 
in that in the, the ministry of presence. You're right, Jenny. That there's nothing greater that a parent can do than to be present in their lives. And man, do we not have in our world the greatest divider of presence? And we carry it around in our pockets every day, right? And I can't, I can't help but think how often I um, am in the room, but I'm not actually present with my kids because I'm surfing on my phone or I'm responding to an email, you know, where I, where I should just have it in a box somewhere when I come in and sit down and just be with my kids. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying like we put together this like incredible, incredibly beautiful Instagram worthy family worship moment because everybody <laughs> knows how those things actually go, right? <laughs> but, you know, just being there and playing Fortnite or whatever it is with your kids and just being present and asking them about their come on mans and their booyah moments of their day and things like that. Those are, those are huge. Um, going back to your, your question, um, you know, so just some practical things. Um, I, I would, I would say a few things. Um, n- number one, maybe just an encouragement. Uh, and Jenny is right, man, it, the power of forgiveness and asking for forgiveness is so strong to, to have a kid look and be like my mom or my dad, m- more times than not, it's my dad. Um, having to ask for forgiveness is huge. Um, I, I, I try to be intentional with that. I mean, my kids would probably tell you differently that, you know, I just have, I have, I'm prideful. I don't ask for forgiveness or confess my sin to them enough. And I, I wish that I, I wish that I would do more of that. Um, but I want to be a dad that recognizes when I'm sinful and, and tells my kids like what you just saw was not reflective of the heart of God. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I think, I think that's huge. The ministry of presence, you, you cannot underestimate its power in the lives of your kids. We make, a, pre, we make a, a priority to be at our kids' games. We want to be here cheering for them. That way when they go 0 for 3 at the plate or, you know, they go 3 for 3 at the plate or, you know, they do something amazing uh, at the gym, awesome. We just we want to be able to celebrate and we want to be also be able to walk alongside of them in the highs and lows of life. And that's parenting. I love parenting, you know. The, the, the other thing on that too is uh, we have another saying in our house. We have a lot of sayings in our house. And, um, and this is because we just need practical handles all the time to help us not go crazy. We literally say, when our kids are getting out of control, don't jump on the crazy train. That train has left the building. Do not jump on that train with them. You get on that train, you're going down a sinful path that you do not <laughs> want to go, right? I mean, that happens pretty much every morning at 7, 10 a.m. when I'm taking my three kids to school on the way and they are yelling because one of them's always the slow one and one of them wants the front seat. And I have this mind, uh, this thing in mind as we're going to school. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be their coach. I'm gonna encourage them for to get out of the, out, of the, out of the car. And then the whole way there, I'm like, I need you to be quiet. <laughs> I need you to stop yelling at your sister. She's not, okay, she's not slow. She just enjoys life, okay? Just let her enjoy life. You know, it's okay. Like where you sit, whether you're three feet behind the front seat or in the front seat, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, it, it's just don't jump on the crazy train with your kids. Don't jump on them. Just meet them at the next station, you know, so when they get off, because they will get off, they'll get off. Meet them at the next station with grace and compassion and mercy. Um, and I think that's a, a huge, huge step in the right direction. Um, and then if, if, I, if I could just maybe just one last encouragement, um, you know, as you think about emotional health, emotional stability, um, even more so helping align it with gospel truth along the way, you know, one to know that um, it's something we talked about at the very beginning, that our emotions will get out of whack, um, but to be familiar enough with the word, you know, to know, you know, Jesus in Matthew 26 literally prayed that God would take the cup mm-hmm. from him mm-hmm. in the garden of Gethsemane, but then he he submitted his emotions to, to truth, to God, right? He submitted to him. 
And to be familiar enough with the word, to know the word, to, to find resource. I mean, a quick Google, can, a Google search, honestly. I mean, don't be above a Google search of Bible verses. Mm. Just be that person. Just Google, hey, some, give me top 10 Bible verses on joy. Give me top 10 Bible. Just do it. Go Google it. Go look it up. Find some good resources that can help point your heart back, um, back to the word and just saturate and understand that emotions are a good thing. Um, they get out of whack because of sin, and we can help point them to the beauty of that in the gospel. But there's 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 three P's of assessment when maybe you you start to you start to see them getting out of out of whack. Um, the first question that you just need to ask as a parent, I think, is do they have peers around them that can help walk with them through the chaos of life? It's the power of friendship, right? It's the power of friendship. We have to have people that we can walk through life with. The second one um, is, do you know a pastor at church? Are, are, are you connected with somebody on staff that can really help, that's, that's called and is, and is joyfully wants to walk alongside of you? If you feel like it goes the next, next step up, we would love to walk alongside of you. That's why our staff exists. We, we want to walk with our people, shepherd. We want to help you and your kids walk with Jesus every single day. And then the last one, you know, at some point, you, you may need to see a professional. There, there may become a point where this thing has gone from, hey, they got a great group of friends, and they got a pastor, and then the, the pastor or the staff member um, that is just trusted and speaking into our lives is, is saying, and we agree, and we, we probably need to seek some professional help here. And we got some incredible, incredible people in Western North Carolina mm-hmm. that can really help walk families through um, on a professional level, help them understand uh, where they are. Awesome. Hey, thank you guys both so much. I am very, very encouraged. I know a lot of our parents are going to be feeling like they can run through a brick wall in parenting after listening to this conversation. So I want to thank you both for the time today. And, And those of you who are listening, I hope you've been encouraged. I hope your walk with Jesus has been challenged. I hope that you've been challenged as a parent and you're ready to go out and uh, extend the grace of Jesus to your kids um, and to everybody you encounter. So before we wrap up, I want to mention a couple of things to you. First of all, we want to hear from you. Uh, We're going to be covering a lot of ground with emotional health over the next few weeks, and so feel free. Send us in your questions. Send in your comments. Send in your anger toward me and let me know what we can do better. Whatever it is you want to send in, send it in. You can email us. We've got an email set up. It's podcast at builtmorechurch.com. We'd love to hear from you, and we're hoping to discuss and maybe answer some of those questions you're going to be submitting along the way. Also, we've got a website set up just for this series to help put some tools and some resources in your hands, not just as a parent, but as a Christ follower. So canwetalkaboutit.com. Make sure you check that out. In fact, a number of the resources that you guys mentioned today, even in this conversation, Um, are either already on that webpage or they're going to be on that webpage in the weeks to come. So make sure you take advantage of that website. And I hope above all else that you've been encouraged in your walk with Jesus today. You already know how we end this thing. You know, I should have handed it off to you guys. You know what we're going to say, right? Oh, yeah. Throw it out. You are loved and sent. Let's go. See you Sunday.